0: This is Inside Marketing, brought to you by Dentsu Aegis Network and Irish Times Media Solutions.
1: Hello and welcome to Inside Marketing. This week we're going to talk about branded content and particularly about this issue about whether branded content is a a luxury that brands should do or a kind of fluffy thing or whether it is something that actually drives business results. So I'm joined today by Sinead O'Connor, who is head of the Story Lab in Ireland. Welcome Sinead. Thank you. And I'm also joined by Philip Camp, who is MD of Vision Independent Productions. Welcome, Philip.
2: Thank you. Great to be here.
1: First of all, how are you getting on, Sinead? How's lockdown treating you? I must. I have yeah. to point. Out, I have to point out this is not the Sinead O'Connor that other people might be thinking. This is not the famous <laughs> Sinead O'Connor. Just stress that. The other. One.
0: I'm, I'm famous. Excuse me. The less how famous do you know I'm one. Famous. <laughs> the less how, famous. Perhaps. How are you getting on? How's lockdown <laughs> treating you? Yeah. No. Can't complain. I think uh, having spoken to a lot of other people things aren't too bad and yeah getting very well used to to operating from Working home remotely. so yeah oh good
1: philip how are you I, I guess it's tough in production things have st- slowed down and stopped
2: yeah we sort of had an early introduction to sort of filming in covid we were asked to do a sort of four-part series of operation transformation that sort of focused in on people's uh, in lockdown right. so that was our first production so we had a lot to learn about how to film the sort of protocols about going into people's houses, Mm -hmm. all of that sort of stuff. So we're sort of getting used to it, but you can't, like we're working on a new production now and you you just can't let it slide. It's very easy to start to drift back into into old ways, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think that's the biggest challenge that you sort of don't go around shaking everybody's hands, you know?
1: Yeah, I'd say I'd say that's hard and, and hugging people and everything. Well, uh, thanks it. for thanks for making the effort to join us uh, remotely today. I must stress in safe social distancing. So thanks for that. And as I said, we're going to kick off. We're going to talk about branded content because it's an area that I'm passionate about. It's close to my heart. But Sinead, you wrote an article. It's in the Irish Times today. And I think it's a great read. So I recommend people check it out. But first thing you pointed out is that I think branded content has become quite popular at the moment it's kind of a buzz a buzzword that's going on everyone's jumping on branded content but actually it's been around forever it's been around for such a long time like in P&G the soap opera they were, that was the original kind of branded content so but one of the things which I think you you touch in your article is the fact that the discussion around the effectiveness of it because I think and it's, it's not just an issue for branded content I think it's an issue for the industry generally is that the expectation is that we can measure the effectiveness of, of everything that we do and this whole thing that you know 50% of my ad budget is wasted I just don't know which So we're we're kind of obsessed with measurement and some things are easy to measure and some things are harder. But when you think about content, how do you actually measure the effectiveness of it? So is it easy to measure or is it complicated? And it's not a case at all, which I think one of the myths that we want to kind of bust today is that it's not a case that it's really intangible, fluffy and impossible to measure. It's it's, it's quite the opposite. It can drive business results, Sinead, can't it?
0: Oh, no, absolutely. Um, I mean, it has been around a long time, as I've said, good and bad. But I think it's enjoying a big comeback. Um, there was a bit of a lull there when there were new technologies and platforms emerging. But it's come back now. and And not just because, as I think a lot of people assume, due to TV on demand and ad blocking devices, which are, you know, people can avoid consuming mm-hmm. advertising, it's, it's kind of gone beyond that. I think it's doing a big job in its own right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also gained sort of a decent amount of credibility and, and not just with brands, but even with broadcasters and commissioning editors. And I think this this makes a big difference. You know, it's, it's, it's got a lot more sophisticated. So, yeah, you know what? The measurement that there's two sides to it, I guess, there's the your standard media measurements and... I would always rely on my media colleagues to do so. I'm, I'm from a TV background. But so from my point of view, it's really more about the research that's been done in terms of the, the emotional connections and the sort of personality that brand and content can really give to a brand. And actually, I think the most interesting now, big statement from Channel 4 <laughs> recently now, they, they actually did their own research and some of their own AFPs and brand and content. Very catchy headline because it basically says brand shows deliver greater uplift than TV ads. Right. Not sure how that's going to go down with some of my media colleagues, but I think it's it's really interesting. I also think it's very timely. But I think what what we need to be clear on and what we discussed today is that's when this when when it's done right. And that's yeah. the most important point. So I yeah. think
1: that's that's a key point, and I, and I think I think you're right because I know I'm a fraud in this branded content world because I'm a media guy by background. So I think and if I look back on some of the ways I may have evaluated things years ago, it's kind of cringy a little bit because I would have I would have said well, how I, how how long is a brand on screen? How what's the airtime worth? How many men? that I get add that up and equate it to the cost of a 30 second ad and then I get some really really crude formula of the value and it's like uh, trying to apply the blunt instruments of media measurement to what's a bigger idea so I think I think what you touched on there is quite interesting it's it's kind of setting out at the start and saying being quite clear on the objectives like what do we want this to do and i think when it's not done well it's because people aren't clear that at the start um so what are your thoughts uh, philip jump you yep. jump in here you know have you done much of this stuff are you involved in we a lot have, of
2: yeah and actually i think the like in the early days when we were doing it they used to say oh we're going to send it out to dave to put a value on it and we always knew that was the end of
1: it yeah that was dead. <laughs> it's dead but dave said dave said it's, it's worth five see. grand
2: it's good to actually see you now and see you're the man that killed so many dreams, right? Yeah, thanks, so, yeah. <laughs> I know, but I, I think when we when we started off, the real problem was, at the moment, a lot of people think TV sponsorship is just sticking your five-second logo on before or after a show that's already made. And the value on those shows isn't going to really support the production of a show. In other words, what you can buy those things mm-hmm. for. And I think when we got into it originally, that was the biggest problem. It was mm-hmm. trying to say to people, that's not what we're talking about here. Take the stings as a given, but we're yeah. talking about the brand being involved in the story mm. and working with the brand to sort of, you know, make sure that the sort of DNA of the show is their DNA, you know? Yeah. And but also the other big thing was to say, look, in order to do this, you need to make substantial investment in the show and to carry it right through. And in the initial initially, when we would throw out the figures, we would get a well, you know, I can sponsor yeah. X show for a percentage of that yeah, yeah. and we would say that's just as things I think it's taken longer than I ever thought to get beyond that because sometimes we're still having those conversations mm-hmm. of trying to explain what's the difference between just sticking your logo in and out of each part to yeah. being fully involved in the show and I think some brands get it and other, other brands you're still sort of at the starting blocks. but also I would say from the broadcaster side I, I I still think we haven't matured enough to understand really what a fully branded show is, and how, how it can work for everybody. And I think that's still a struggle. I think there's a, still a lot of gray areas that we sort of, we dance around. Mm. Now, I know when it works, you know, it really works, mm. you know. Like I would say, our very first one was Supergarden with Woodies, and yeah. then Woodies Woody's yeah. and Dulux. But I would say we we were very lucky. We, we were cold calling at the time, very naive, naively, back in whatever Back like in two thousand and nine, we got through to the guy who set up buddies, a guy called Ray Coleman, and he loved telly. He was mm-hmm. a friend of Gabe Byrne. He loved talking about telly, and he basically said, "Come on in and tell me more." And we got him. He really got invested in. He yeah. got invested in getting into Super Garden in a very big way, you know. Mm-hmm. And I remember after we did the very first series with him, being in Bloom because the winning garden recreated a Bloom, and there we were standing at the garden in June, and Ray turned to me and he said we'll be doing this again next year. And that sort of a light bulb moment went on for me. And I said, this is fantastic because a broadcaster would never even tell me that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so so that's why I said the, I said the value was was very clear to me. But also crucially, it's not something that a brand sort of signs off on and then we go off and make the show. It has to be something that you're, you're both working on together. You both have shared goals. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that can get lost along the way. Sometimes the broadcaster thinks almost that, this additional funding coming in from our brand is almost like a charitable donation, you know? Yeah. And yeah, yeah. on the other side, the producer thinks this is just giving me the chance to make the show. And the brand is going, we're hoping this is going to really turn around our brand. And essentially the, the problem there is three separate entities are having different conversations. They're not having the same conversation. So mm-hmm. I think so, what's really crucial is that there's a real connection. And I, as, as we get more and more into it, I now get, I genuinely not want to sound American. But I genuinely get excited meeting brands, particularly great ones, right? Because A, I learn an awful lot from them. You know, they tell me who their customers are and their customers, ultimately, I want as an audience. So that shared information between brands and how they work and how we want to target an audience, that's dynamic energy that can happen between the two. is very exciting. And then I think you need to bring in the broadcaster. And I think at the moment, we're all dancing around it but We need to dance better together, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. And it's a different model because I think Sinead, we talked about this before quite often. And I think the way we chat about it, like you'd say before, like, look, if you want to make an ad, make an ad. If you want to make a program, make a program. Um, and quite often, I think we can end up all between two stools. So, Sinead, just in your, from your point of view, how do you balance that type of thing? And and like, would you ever say to a client, don't think it's a story here? How does it work?
0: Well, actually, yeah, I, I was going to say, you, you need to start a lot earlier. And this is where I'm quite reliant on, I suppose, client teams or strategy insights uh, from the brand, because first you decide, is branded content even what this brand needs right now? Like, does it mm. does it fit with the strategy? Then yes, when, when you establish it does, that's kind of when I come in. And as Philip described, it really is getting all stakeholders to have aligned goals. So it's a win-win for everyone. So so it's my job, and I can't emphasize enough the important role that the producers play. And you've heard what what Philip's described. Producers have access to the best ideas, the best formats. Sometimes you're talking to them about formats and development and you think, wow, that'd be a great fit for this particular brand objective. Or, you know, occasionally, yes, it is an original idea, but actually Mm. more often than not, it's something that pre-exists. And the key there is because there's no point in making even a good show from an original idea from a brand if there's nowhere to put it out. Yeah. So you need to know what the broadcasters are looking for. You need to know what commissioning editors are looking for. I do think producers are best placed to have that information, have that Mm. insight. And then it is then working together because some of the best examples out there. And I know Philip's already referenced Supergarden, but I know one of the most successful examples we have is Home Rescue with IKEA. That is a format that the broadcaster really wanted to bring back. And the producers needed the funding. You know, there was a there was a Brand issue out there at the time with IKEA, and we all came together, and and the result, you know, it actually did drive real business results. Yeah. And IKEA played a massive role in that show, and and that also very important. And that
1: it felt like it was additive to the story, didn't it? That's what we talked about in that one. It didn't feel like it was forced in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the show has got it's got these great emotional stories, these great personal oh. stories, and it, it it kind of created this very warm and positive feeling towards Ikea and that's all really lovely and that might you might argue oh that's the fluffy bit but mm-hmm. then on top of that you're showcasing the Ikea product in the series and then you're activating that with all your extra content with your product tags with all your three you know we yeah. did 360 degree videos with with uh, going back to the uh, houses in question and, and featuring the product in question and that can be hosted on other platforms yeah. and I know we'll get into that later but the activations are, are very important so yeah. again that's where we saw real results and that was the prime time ratings winner on RT this is not just some uh, graveyard slot, but out in some graveyard slot, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I think it's a good point because you say, and, and you use the term there, you know, warm, fluffy thing. But I, and I and I don't even think some of that's warm, fluffy. I just think if you can measure it, like there's there's brands that have brand image problems, and they are like the measurement of the success is not a sale; it's about brand tracking. So, I mean, if you have a brand perception problem or a brand image problem, which I think there was a little bit of that with IKEA, people thought the store was a certain thing, they thought the furniture wasn't particular quality. Hard to make an ad to convince other people of that, and I think content in that in that instance was actually was actually a really good thing to do because it was a it was a better solution than advertising. Because I think that's that line which I can't remember who said it now. But the guy said, you know, you, the, the model about people are rejecting lots of ads, so stop interrupting what people are interested in and be what people are interested in. I think that's quite. That's That's quite a great point, because I think it's quite interesting for marketers and in the marketing industry, just in terms of how we connect with people. And yeah, but I think you're right. First of all, it's quite complicated. And I think it's a different skill set. So like my background is media. I know how to use media to connect, you know, to solve problems for brands, to connect customers with brands. Creative agencies know how to do a compelling mode of story that does a certain thing in 30 seconds and Philip Buna had to make really entertaining 52 minute programs and they're all quite different skill sets and I think when you face a challenge I've seen creative agencies or even media agencies come up with ideas for TV shows that were actually you know Philip if you looked at them you'd probably say there's no TV show here but we didn't get people involved early enough we ended up going down a road maybe having a show that we reluctantly used our leverage with broadcasters to kind of find a home for. And it just doesn't work. So let's talk when it's done yeah. properly, because I think you both touched on it here. Whoever can take this one, They're like how do you, how do you go about it? Where would you start with it? So do you talk to broadcasters first? Do you talk to brands? Do you talk to producers? Who? Do, how do you start the whole ball rolling?
0: Well, if I can just jump in there and, and I think I touched on it already, it really is to be a parallel communication in a way, you know, because I did say you need to you need to understand on an ongoing basis what broadcasters are looking for. Even the scheduling can be an issue. Mm. Uh, you can have a great idea, but it doesn't fit with the broadcasters scheduling plans over the next 12 months. So if you're having that conversation whilst you're also talking to, to producers, then you have all that you know, so when, when a strategy or a client team or a person comes to me saying a brand is looking to do A, B, or C, then we we have the ideas almost in discussion already so they can be either developed or tweaked Mm. with the brand in mind and now more like there's more and more pressure on production funding with all the broadcasters and in fact most I I think now have AFP specialists internal specialists in place uh you know I know Channel 4 has a, Mm. a very high up kind of commissioning editor role with an AFP person so they're ready to take those take that funding with the right Partnership. So, you know, I I nearly talked to the producers before right. the broadcasters because the producers in turn are yeah, talking yeah. to the broadcasters themselves. But then equally, you need to ensure that uh, the idea is going to work for the brand. And yeah. just in terms of the measurements, I just, and I know I don't want to get, you know, we're here to prove that it's not a fluffy exercise. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, it's so important from the outset to establish your objectives, you know, set realistic KPIs mm-hmm. so that when the, the AFP or the branded content piece is complete. That you actually have a set of yeah. results you can measure it against. And and I do think that's important to establish or very early on in play. So talking to yeah. so
1: Philip, I guess you're into the broadcasters all the time. I guess you're we have brands that we have to try and find solutions for. You have ideas, that idea you want to find brands for or buyers for, be it the producers. So, like in your opinion, is that what's the best way to get brands involved? How do you see it working best when it works? I know you were lucky the last time with Woody's with the first one you your break, but like going forward, what's what's the model look like?
2: I think the model's changing, you know? I think at the moment is uh, we come up with an idea, you know, in order to encourage a broadcaster to take a risk on something new. Our model anyway is yeah. you find additional funding from a brand that will align themselves with that idea. And then you go to a broadcaster and you say, look, we want here's a new show. Um, but we're going to de-risk it because it comes with a brand but, and we think it's really going to work And it. You know, you get this level of funding if we get this slot. So, I mean, in, mm. in, in a way, in that sense, it feels like the brand is at the back of the bus, do you know? Yeah. It, it, because simply, I'm giving it from our perspective, but actually I think of it now in a, in a different way because like, you know, I constantly sort of look at sort of and say, okay, you know, we have an idea that we think people are interested in, you know, and I think crucially because we're now we now live in in a world where content is abundant. You know, the world doesn't Mm. need 15 more shit ideas. Do you know what I mean? So then you go, okay, let's be more, uh, you know, really what I want to do is I want to deliver an idea that's going to deliver some something of value to an audience. That's our our mission, right? Mm -hmm. And then Sometimes then you go, okay, well, actually, there's brands that want to do that as well. They want to connect with that sort of value proposition. In other words, we exist to make your life be better. You know, We exist yeah. because you know, we're, doing, we're fulfilling an essential need mm-hmm. or a need. And I think when we get together with that brand and we say, look, we have an idea that tells that story, or even if it starts off that this is the story we're trying to, trying to tell, and then we as storytellers go... Here's a good way to tell that story, you know? Mm. And this is the way that that it will work. Then I think you're starting to go down the right road, you know? Yeah. And, And then you're going to, okay, who's going to connect with this story? And I think now the idea that you're going to come along with a big blockbuster show that's going to sort of, that hasn't happened in years, right? Yeah. Now, more or less, the way the shows work is that you fulfill a happy niche. Like if you look at Bake Off, for example, like it started off on BBC Two, it initially got people who love baking involved and grew and grew and grew. You know, we've just had record figures with Supergarden, but Supergarden started off with people interested in garden design and sort of grew with with the competition. So really what you're looking for is you're, you're trying to find who's the audience that we can fulfill a need for? How is there a way to tell that story? And how does the brand's values And the story value connect Mm -hmm. and then you say okay now where's the best place for this to be here we're we're saying okay you know here's the three links we have brands who want to talk to their consumers and want to engage with more people you have us who want to tell stories and inspire people and then you've got the distributor in the middle of all of that Mm -hmm. right and the distributor up to now is what that we've been talking about is tv right and actually a lot of the time tv is the weakest link you know and I think the next move is going to be, ok, let's see what's the best way to dis- distribute this this story, right? And mm. it may it may be that TV is part of that mix, but it'll only be part of that mix. Yeah, And I think that would be the next jump. There's a few, like Red Bull have been doing it forever. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So, you know, if a guy jumps off a mountain in a skateboard with a red hat on and you think he's going to die, you'll go, no, he's not. That's a Red Bull stunt. Do you know what I mean? Like they've TV, they're online, they're every... And I think that's the way I now like to look at it. I go, okay, I want to tell this particular story. I want to engage with this particular audience. What actually is the best way to do it? And I think, you know, the best way to do it mightn't be a half-hour slot against coronation street yeah. on a friday evening on a particular channel it actually might be somewhere else and therefore i go back to what, what we were saying earlier is i think it's early engagement with brands and early engagement and that's what i think and i've said it yeah i like that's why i think what's really good about things like story lab is that we can have conversations with StoryLab, like almost like shooting the breeze yeah. about here's ideas here's things that we think are interesting here's the way we think trends are going right yeah, yeah. and and then you go okay how do we get in the middle of that space Yeah. Right? how do we get in the middle of that space without pissing people off first and foremost but how do we get in the middle of that space and people go it's great to have you here you're enhancing it and you're making it better right yeah and i think that's the job and that's why i find our brands with discussions now are a lot more dynamic than discussions with broadcasters you know yeah. discussions with broadcasters is there's an air of desperation. It's like, oh yeah, can you, can you do that? Can you do it for that price? Discussion with brands are much more about, we need to connect with these people. Mm. We're actually doing something very good here. How do we connect with these people? How do we connect with more people to make this connection about our values? Because we know our values will resonate. Yeah, and I think yeah. that, that's where it be, yeah. I think that's going to be the next it's, big lead.
1: Yeah, it's co- it's complicated. You mentioned Red Bull and I think like like Red Bull are, you know, Red Bull are a lifestyle brand. They're not they're a lifestyle brand, a content business that also produce. It's hard to remember which came first. Are they in yeah. the drinks business or are they in the entertainment business? And it doesn't matter because they're a lifestyle brand and content is part of that and drink is part of that. What's It's complicated because Sinead, I'll get you to jump in here because it's all about, like, it seems like it's quite a delicate balancing act. And what I mean by that is like, I got annoyed and I won't name anybody, but, but I feel like if I go to a broadcaster as a media buyer and I say, listen, I want to do this thing for this brand, the TV station in question will go, brilliant, they're going to pay for this. And I have to foot the bill for the whole thing. And then I think the other side of that is when, when an RTE or a virgin media buy a thing, buy a show from you, Philip. And then they try and get a sponsor into it so late in the day, they sell it for peanuts. And I'm always saying, it feels like a game of poker, like a Mexican standoff. Who's going to blink first? If I show my hand, it costs me more. If they show their hand, it costs them more. And I never understand why we can't just be a bit more, right, what do you want? What do you want to make? Let me see if I can find a home for it and get some, not fund the whole thing, but bring some funding into it. So Sinead... How That sounds like it's really tricky, by the way. I guess if it it wasn't tricky, everyone would be doing it. But it sounds like it's quite a tough balancing act, just managing different people with different agendas. Like brands want to tell, want to make long ads. Broadcasters want to make stories with no brands in them. It just sounds like it's really complicated, is it?
0: Well, I think thankfully, thankfully, uh, brands are getting a little bit more savvy and a little bit more open to how their actual investment is going to work. So, I think just very straightforward product placement is no longer what we're delivering. And you said earlier. Then you're just measuring a 10-second logo yeah. or product, and, and that's not going to illustrate any value. And then equally, broadcasters are also seeing more and more the value a brand can actually add to the narrative or, or, or to the story or to the editorial. So, and it's not always about. Say, for example, there could be um, financial institutions like a service rather than a product. So actually, you know, there's a great show, and, and again, ratings winner NRT, How to Be Good with Money, that is actually uh, funded or co-funded by CCPC. Right. So they're not necessarily. All about their logo uh, because it's not a product and a lot of their input actually came from the casting. So the producers actually took CCPC's insights and expertise to what the consumer issues and Mm. challenges in the marketplace were. And they took that information and they used it as part of their casting. But what that also did, it facilitated conversation for CCPC on their own platforms about the very same issues that they're trying to protect consumers from. Mm. So that input wasn't as straightforward as just a product placement. It, It was more about the editorial and the casting and the stories and the information that CCPC were able to open a conversation with about Elsewhere, okay, so that's slightly easier. And I suppose just in another idea, bearing in mind that Philip mentioned it's not all about TV. and I know it's TV related, but another great example is is, is an original idea for Lingus, which was Jen's weekend. That actually was hosted on Player only, right? And yeah. again, it's about the mutual interests. We knew the player at the time. were looking for a very specific young audience, and equally. Our lingus wanted to try and reach a much younger audience. They were trying to promote London as a destination to fly to. As just on it's only on our doorstep, young people were looking to go to much far flung, more exciting sort of destinations. So it was promoting London as being on their doorstep is a very exciting place to go. We did that by sending Jen over to hang out with all our celebrity mates, which was the perfect content for that audience. And then equally then promote the price point. Um which yeah. was a lot more interesting to talk about that than, yeah. than, than, than and, just and the I, price.
1: And I think as Philip mentioned, it's not a, like that's a great point because we tended I think TV is the answer. TV may not be the answer. And actually it goes back about saying, okay, you might make I remember the Erling scene, because I think the question it goes back to the start, like what problem are we trying to, what's the barrier? And I think in that instance we said reducing prices to London and actually doing a huge campaign with London flights for you know, $29.99 it's not going to work because I remember saying it's not going to work on me because I'm not going to go to London because I don't think it's for me. So how do you convince me to go to London, you know, try and inspire me to go and give me, you know, and the way to do that is you don't get inspired through ads. You get inspired through content and and seeing people and going, actually, that's like, Jesus, I never thought of of London as doing that. But Philip, how do you work with brands? Like, I get, And it sounds hard because I think in very early days, you know, you, we can imagine where there's a story, there's a TV show, and then what the client wants to do is, and then I want to cut away to my, you know, one of my brand ambassadors who's talking about the product. This just doesn't work, right? That type of crude kind of force and its way into the story. But do you do this for brands? Would you say, okay, we're working on this client and here's the objectives, here's the problem we have, here's the problem we're trying to solve. How do you weave that into an existing type of format is that something that you do or
2: it's a bit of hand holding and you've got to sort of go you know look it's not about sticking your bag of crisps on every table in the restaurant it's not about you know
1: which we didn't do by the way we did not do we that we didn't
2: do no we absolutely didn't do <laughs> and i actually could, what just just to give you because you, you know you helped us with the O'Donnell sponsoring the last series of the restaurant mm-hmm. and it was very interesting first announced you know when Shane actually did the deal You know, the very first thing I did was I got in the car and I went down to Tipperary and I sat in the kitchen with the O'Donnells, you know, and I spent the afternoon with them just chatting about, tell me about your crisps, you know, and they told me a very personal story, why the things that they're proud of, how it's changed. You know, I took a drive around probably one of the most beautiful parts of Ireland, just where the farm is. Mm. And then I came back and I said, oh, this is how this is going to fit into the show, these are the things that we need to do with the show That's it's going to have a sort of payoff for them. And it's really crucial that they enjoy the experience, you know. But also it's really crucial that the audience know why O'Donnell's are part of it, you know. yeah. And I think that you do have to sort of immerse yourself in it and find out where they want to go. And Sometimes there may not be a natural link, in which case you sort of have to step back. But I would say now what we find is that either, like in, in one case we did a show called The Big DIY Challenge. Uh, again, that was Woody's, but the marketing manager at the time, Ruth Brett, came to us and said, Philip, you know, we don't want a sort of do up your room show. We want to focus on people who love picking up their tool belt and going out to the shed and doing stuff. We want DIYers, right? She came to us and we said, okay, here's the things we think DIY." She gave us her info on what those DIYers are. And then we went back and said, okay, actually, these DIYers live on YouTube at the moment. You know? They make a table and they share it on YouTube. Yeah. They did, like they're like very So we built the show with those sort of YouTube values, you know, okay, and also yeah. with sort of comedy in mind. We've got PJ Gallagher involved, various other things. And it is a very loud sort of noisy celebration of DIYers. But that was done in conjunction with Ruth at every step of the way, you know. Right, yeah, Like we would yeah. say, what about this, Ruth? And she would come and there would be arguments and discussions. But ultimately, we all knew that's the target audience want, wanted to hit. And Mm. this is how we wanted to hit them. And I guess you need a
1: good client. You need to have a good relationship. You need clients who are going to trust you. um, Because like, you know how to make engaging long form content and they know how to sell whatever they're selling. I think it's that. It's trust.
2: Yeah. And I have to say like, like, there's no guarantees. The first thing is you want to get the right audience and you Mm -hmm. want that right audience to value the show. That's the goal. That's really what you want. Right. So then you really have to go back, move back from that. So. The most important thing at the start of that is to get an idea that's going to engage with that audience that that audience is going to say I'm really glad I watched that show mm. like, I like that right yeah. so much so that they're going to connect with the brand in a, in a deeper way and then the steps in the middle of that are really crucial you know like where's the best place for this to be broadcast what's the right slot almost down to who's the commissioning editor that's going to get this right, right? Yeah, yeah. because if any of those things slip then you're, you've a good chance of not hitting your target. And the really bad news for us is, A, the ratings don't hit. Yeah. B, the show is getting lukewarm reviews. And you, and you have a sponsor looking at us saying, well, that wasn't the greatest exp- experience yeah. in the world and it cost us X. Yeah. And that's, like, no one wins on that. And mm-hmm. that's why we'd be a lot more careful now about saying, look, actually, we take the position, and I say this, this sometimes when we go we go to brands quite early and they're, they're wondering why I'm coming to them, even before speaking to a broadcaster, because I'm saying, actually, and I think this is where StoryLab really comes into its own. And this, I think, will evolve even more into what the Americans call packaging. And I think that's where it goes. I think you have to package the show before you bring it to the broadcaster. Because otherwise, too many things become variables that can change. And those variables that can change are essentially some of the promises that you've made, you know? So I think packaging has to come into it. Like in the US, for example, the way a show is put together, it's all built up and then it's brought out to the different networks and they're all pitched in one day. Mm -hmm. And I think with the value that AFP or ad-funded productions are bringing to the broadcaster... I now think we're in a position to package. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's so a good point. I think that's the. I think we have to go in and we have to go, here's the show, here's the money, there's the slot, there's the time. That's what we're doing.
1: And there's nothing wrong with having a brand in this story. If I am I always think, Sinead, this will resonate with you. Like, if I look at what, what happens organically on even an RTE, like watching the news last weekend, there's a big piece about Guinness on it. Like, we have Barman's pulling the pint of Guinness, he's handed out somebody. Then they have these Guinness things that they've done in the background, like these pop up kind of what do they call like snugs in Toner's pub. I was yeah. like, if I went to the news and asked them to put this on, beat the head off me and say, no, we can't do that, the integrity of the news. And yet it happens because it's actually a real story. And Sinead, we talked about, you know, an idea where we wanted to um, Tato Park and show the behind the scenes thing. And, and broadcast was like, no, it's too brand centric. But like the Shelburne Hotel had the exact same type of thing, but it, because it wasn't paid for, it had the integrity of that. Sinead, how do you, how do you balance all that? Like, because I think broadcasters feel... I'm getting mugged off here. Someone's some it's advertising by stealth, they're sneaking. Those cheeky lads and those advertising lads are sneaking ads into my show. How do you manage that, Sinead?
0: I know the irony that Guinness are getting coverage in the news and we know how difficult it was. Yeah. We actually, did a, we actually did, a, we did a great series of Virgin for Guinness called The Line Out but we know what, what we we're up against. Yeah, so it, I think the editorial integrity uh, they, they're they very protective but, and rightly so you know, back to Philip's point you well, know, you need wrong, eyeballs,
1: Maybe you need wrongly ratings. so Sinead. I don't know. Times have changed. They turned their nose well, as well
0: At the start and again and we keep talking about this balancing act but there's no point in having a brand all over a show that no one wants to watch and not just because mm-hmm. the brand is there but because it's a story or an idea that that's not engaging enough. Yeah. So the editorial integrity does need to be protected to a degree. But so I suppose what Philip describes at the packaging, it's working that out in advance, I guess yes have some idea what the broadcaster is looking for but make sure you work out in advance how the brand works with the editorial how they're actually adding to it they have a legitimate role there mm. and, and I always emphasize brands should not be on you know don't be apologetic about it either yeah um, yeah you know the, the very word you use there Dave is stealth and, and right because audiences are not stupid and they'll yeah. actually get pissed off if they think they've been sold sold to in a stealth like manner so you almost have to be quite proud of the brand role and, and I keep going back to Ikea but that's that's a great example of that you know rather than trying to hide it so yeah, it, it has taken a, a bit of convincing with the broadcasters. There's absolutely yeah. no doubt about it. I think it's getting easier. And the reason I think it's getting easier is because, to so say, when StoryLab first started some years ago and we were pitching Home Rescue with IKEA, straight up, I did get questioned that oh we'll get loads of complaints from the audiences yeah. you know there'll be issues uh, and none of that happened yeah. uh, and it was success for all parties and I think the more we have those successes in those prime time slots with these big yeah. rating winners then the more broadcasters are going to feel a lot more comfortable when we come to them but that is the yeah. key to make it, sure that the brand has a legitimate Because it's
1: not in anyone's interest broadcaster no. or client not, or nobody's interest to make stuff that doesn't work and I think it's about getting the balance but I, like it's always the point to you know laugh about one of the clients who literally wanted to call the show the brand name wanted the presenter to be wearing a t-shirt with the brand on it and I was like no one's going to watch it if it feels like an ad just going to go this is rubbish
0: that's the other extreme
1: you mentioned Sinead there and I think this is a great point because I, I think it's as much about what you do off air um, you mentioned that for Ikea we did quite a lot for Aer Lingus off air so if you're just going to invest in something and have a little bit of placement or narrative in the show but you can't really do anything off air my advice would be maybe think about whether you should do it or not so, so Sinead like how the IKEA thing solved the problem but it was part of the show but there was a lot more that we did off air with that wasn't there
0: Absolutely um, and I think the great thing about brand and content it just it automatically gives brands though, access to those licensing rights that yeah. only brands would have to pay for and, and and standard sponsors wouldn't get access to the licensing rights of the show so basically the brand can use the title sequence the, the brand or the program brand potentially use the talent if, if that's negotiated separately and then most importantly it's the the, the extra content uh, that it's and it's not extra content made by the agency this is still working with the producers i think the producers know best mm. even how to produce bespoke content for the brand that will yeah. actually keep that engagement keep that interest with the audiences but whilst doing a more direct sales job i guess so ikea for example you know working with coco tv we created uh, we revisited the homes in question but they were very specifically with the the, the designer and the architect talking about the IKEA product, talking about the IKEA hacks, talking about how she put it together. And then, in, and, and we were very clever in one, we actually tagged the product in question. So that's hosted in IKEA social channels. People can actually click buy the product. It actually leads them straight through to their site so they can actually buy the product there. Mm. So there, that's real results. You know, you actually see a spike yeah. in the sales of a product that was featured on the show. And yeah, um, yeah. So activation to me is absolutely key to make this, as, yeah. as the original question here was, to make it much more measurable. Yeah. And
1: then you don't have to try and let the TV show solve every problem for you because you know, well, the TV show is going to do this, but social is going to do this. Philip, just on on IP and distribution, when you're doing these shows, like if we invest in a show, we obviously want some IP in that show and we want to distribute it. Are you open to giving a share of IP and obviously distribution and with other investors? Is that something you do?
2: Yeah, it is something we do. Yeah, absolutely. From the start, we we, sort of began life in 2003. And our thing is that we only do original formats, because the market is so small in Ireland, the only way you can build value in the company is that your IP is your asset. So so you're trying to build up your asset base in the company. So we've always stuck to it that we would only do original formats. Now, in doing that, like we always invariably, whoever invests in it, be it the broadcaster or, you know, we're open to, you know, absolutely there's place and room for sort of sharing in the success of it, you know. Mm. So absolutely, I Mm. think there is. Yeah, I mean, I would say most brands really don't give a monkey's about no. that. stuff. So, like they I've never heard it, but I think now with things like StoryLab and obviously we know with Group M, that's become a, yeah. a, a bigger thing. And I think for producers, any opportunity to sort of be able to create an idea that can travel and gain value will require further investment. And that's the other thing I would say is that in a market that it has an abundance of content, not all of it brilliant, I think that the challenge is making bigger shows and events, you know, we don't need loads of them, yeah. but we do need 10 big shows across the year, you right. know, yeah, yeah. Um, and those shows take investment, but they also, because of their scale and because of what they can deliver, they can have a big impact for, for the brand, a big impact for the channel, you know, and yeah. then it becomes a valuable It becomes valuable IP. I think a lot of the stuff aren't big shows. They're not big events, you know?
1: Yeah, and it's a different model. I mean, one of the things that, Sinead, we know well is the the lead times is a big problem because you're talking, you talk to a client today about something that could be on air January 2022 or September 20, like it's a long time away. That's one model, but actually fundamentally the problem I've found with things is that like our model, the agency model is you pitch, you pitch for free. That's just the way it is. You spend the time coming up with it at your own expense and then you, off you go, you pitch that to clients. If you win, you win. If you don't, it's a sunk cost, it's done. But Sinead, how do you find when you're asking Like if you were to, if I was to come to you as a brand and say, hey, I want you to go off and think about an original brand idea for me and you go off and you engage production companies, are they willing to spend loads of time doing what, or is it just the ad industry just where, you know, we made our bed, we have to lie in it. Do other industries do this? Would the production sector go off and say, we could spend loads of time thinking of an idea and pitch it to you and if we don't get it, it doesn't matter. Sinead, how do you find that?
0: Yeah, I think it depends if there's an idea already, if a producer already has an idea they think they can tailor for the brand and the objectives, I think that they're more than happy to do a certain amount of work. I mean, there's a lot of similarities there. Producers are well used to to pitching to commissioning editors and and others. So this this would be nothing new to them. But having said that, I'm actually quite protective over producers, as I say, in terms of access to their ideas. And what I'll always agree is that we have an idea in principle. If the brand are interested and they want to take it to the next phase, they're is a point in the process that I would like to establish with the brand or the client that, you know, the, the hours will be paid for right. or there will be some form of cost, upfront cost covered. Now, I'd always say that can be recoupable from what the yeah. final overall cost will be. But I just think from experience, I think we both know from the past, we have occasionally put in a lot of time. With the producers been a lot of time, we've developed an idea to a quite advanced stage. We've even developed the activation piece to quite an advanced stage. And, uh, you know, occasionally a brand or client will say, actually, we don't want to, you know, we're not going to go ahead with that." Uh, and, I, you know, we just, we need to avoid that happening in the future. But of course, to the initial, until it's like agreed in principle, of course, I think everyone yeah. in this industry is well used to pitching.
1: Yeah, to pitch for free. Well, we are out of time again. So I just want, before I go, Philip, if anyone's listening and said, you know, i my- Give this fella, to shout and see if he can do anything for my brand. Where can people find out a bit more about you, your company, or where do they go? How do they get in contact?
2: Well, it's just vision. If you google vision independent productions or go to our site, it's um, and it's uh, our you get me at philip at vipmg.tv if the oh. if you want to contact me directly,
1: right? And Sinead, where can people yeah, find you- out?
0: so storylab.com is our global website but there are contact details for each territory there or siné.oconnor at storylab.com
1: right thank you so much guys I really enjoyed that and it's a fascinating area one I think is going to grow and grow and I just hope we all get a little bit better at it and even I mean broadcast as well that they're more open to it because I think you know it's the way forward so great Uh, I want to say thanks to our partners Irish Times Media Solutions and thanks to Andrea and Kira on sound so until two weeks time bye bye
0: this is inside marketing brought to you by Dentsu Aegis Network and Irish Times Media Solutions.